Hey team, welcome back and welcome to a special episode of Transition Talk. In this space, we talk about dental transitions and how to navigate the sometimes messy path to practice ownership. And boy, did the path become a little bit messier in the last year. We are coming to you almost one year to the date of when the world shut down. And we are going to talk to you about how transitions have changed in the last year, how they haven't changed in the last year, and just some things that we've learned. So welcome. And my lovely co-host here, Mr. Charles Loretto, how are you? I am doing fantastic. Thanks for another edition of Transition Talk that you put together. You're awesome. <laughs> Man, it's been a year, huh? Yeah, it's been it's been special. Yeah, I just saw something come across Facebook uh, today that today was the first day in Denton County that we had a positive test with COVID. And so to me, as I kind of reflect back, I think that you look in December of 19, you saw things that were happening, call it 12,000 miles away, and that really doesn't impact me. And then you saw when the first case in the U.S. happened, you know, in Seattle, and, you know, again, that's whatever, 2,000 miles away. And then you saw just the devastation that happened in New York. And again, it's, it was so hard to kind of relate. I mean, you just felt it literally is like you were watching something on TV, but it didn't really impact you, you know? And it's even when a first case happened here, it was just still just, you really couldn't put it all together. And so when that time came of, you were shutting it down, I, I felt like it was just a time in our lives that you kind of like, you know, look back those, you know, that can remember what it was like. And, you know, September 11th, everyone has that story of where you were and everyone has that story of maybe a Pearl Harbor that, you know, is really old. No offense to any of you that were around that grandpas are listening, I guess. But, you know, everyone has a story where JFK was shot. Everyone has a story. And I kind of feel like that was what happened this year is what happened when you figured, you know, where were you and how did it impact you when you knew that you weren't going to do what you did any longer? It was just a weird time. Well, and I think we talked about this a little bit. I don't think that any of us and I don't think anyone listening could have ever imagined that things would have shut down the way they did. But that we would be, you know, still wearing masks and just kind of being at the cusp of like maybe some sense of normalcy starting a year later. Like, I think that is what is so when I think back, like I vividly remember where we were. I vividly remember talking to you, you know, all of those things. But then to kind of think that I never would have imagined at Christmas, we would have like had to cancel our Christmas plans because of that. Right. And I think that's just as Americans and as people who kind of are in our own little bubble. And like you said, in, in my city and, and all of these pieces that that we would have imagined that that could have been possible. Possible. So it's been a year of, I think, creativity for businesses and schools and relationships and just kind of hard, hard times, especially some for most. And I think for us, it's been a year of kind of for sure a roller coaster of emotion. When we talk about that messy path, a roller coaster of emotion going from what's going to happen to dentistry to, okay, everything seems fine to kind of there have been kind of dips in between as we kind of figure out kind of how these new PPP loans and just how all of these different pieces, it seems like something changes every day, at least there for a while it did. And so it's been kind of a nightmare for people who are type A like myself. <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, just, you know, personally, just for kind of a road warrior for almost 20 years of traveling the U.S. on airplanes and state meetings and national meetings and dental schools. And I really felt lost, just like what I was going to do and add value to my partnership to NDP, my partnership to Cane Waters, just 
it just, I really felt a little lost. But the thing is, is you really start to figure out just as a society and even in the field of dentistry, you figure it out. Like this is, it's a temporary inconvenience and it's, it's a temporary problem for many of us. Uh, it didn't touch me at first, but you know, most, most recently it's really touched me. So with some family members and close members. And so it's very, very real to me. And I'm just, thankful that we're coming out of it pretty much at the time of this recording that people are, you know, if you want a vaccine, it seems to be readily available. Most of my friends and colleagues and certainly my friends in dentistry are all all been vaccinated. I went to my first uh, lecture just this past weekend, the first time I've lectured live in, in over a year. I've gotten three other invitations to speak at kind of state and national meetings just in the last week. So you can see this kind of change that that's coming back. I don't know it's ever going to be like it was before. If it is, it's going to take maybe several years because we can forget it all, but it's been crazy. And it, it certainly impacted a lot of businesses. We'll, and we'll focus on some of those changes for dentistry and certainly in the space of valuations for both buyer and seller. But yeah, it's been quite interesting to, to navigate both personally and professionally, but there's a lot of good stuff that's come out of this. I, I can talk about that, you know, through this, but there's been a lot of positive through this, at least, at least what I see there's, there's opportunity and all, all negative. There's a positive, just choose which side you choose to come out on. Right. And of course, you know, and I think that like we're focusing on our world and kind of what has happened in dentistry. And we're certainly cognizant of all of the people who have been touched and, and lost family members and those in the medical professional who are, you know, kind of don't have a choice but to go to work, especially early in the, in the process. So we definitely know that there, there's that piece of it. But I do think that we have to kind of look and see how life, life teaches us lessons all the time. And I think we have to look at what's kind of come out of that. And I think certainly, like I said earlier, I think for me, from a positivity standpoint and just from a, what has this taught me? It's certainly been challenging, but I am recording a podcast from my closet, right? And that is something I don't think either of us thought we would even remotely try to do ever. We were very much an in-office group, and now we have staff members working from home almost permanently. We have those that you know may have, we may have lost staff members because they moved out of state prior, and now we know that we can do this, right? Zoom was not in our vernacular before this, and now it's a readily available option to see our clients when we really focused on phone calls before. So personally, I can do a lot more than I thought I could, maybe too much sometimes, but I do think it's just kind of created a level of flexibility and a level of like life has to go on even if it we get thrown a curveball. And so how do we make it work and how do we do it with positivity and kind of charge forward? So there's a lot of resilience in people too, which I find just fantastic. So let's get into one year post-COVID, right? We did one, we recorded, and I looked back at the date, we recorded on April 1st of 2020, right? Right? So we were very new into this and just talking about what that looked like and what was happening with lending. And then we recorded kind of a lending update, I believe, kind of in that fall time frame, like once everyone had opened back up and kind of things were kind of looking consistent again. So I want to cover some of those same topics. So I'm just going to ask you some questions, but just super high level. I want to talk about first, like transitions overall, what have you noticed from a frequency, right? So are we more transitions, less transitions, kind of what's your just kind of general sense? You talk on the phone just as much as I do during the day. Yeah, I would say that, you know, April 1st to about August, everybody put a stop on everything. There was just no deal flow at all. No, no lending, no buyers, no sellers. I mean, there were still people that wanted to engage, but it very much came to just a, an immediate stop. And then all of a sudden, somewhere in that kind of August through the fall, things really pick back up. And I would say probably in the last three months, I mean, I can certainly speak for our organization that there's more deal flow in the last three months 
project that out, maybe we would have a record year if we kept the same pace up just because there's so many sellers now that had time off and there's one of two categories they fall into. Sellers either got to spend a lot of time at home and realize that they don't want to retire and they want to go back to work or sellers spent a lot of time at home and basically realize that they do want to spend more time at home. So that's one. Two, I think health is certainly a concern. A lot of older people, and I mean older, I'm, I'm a gray-haired, no-haired guy, so I'm in early 50s. So when you get in those 60s, the probability of someone in their 60s losing someone during this last year is very, very high. And all of a sudden, children in their 30s are now taking an active role in telling their dad, their mom or something, hey, maybe you should retire. A lot of that really messed with a lot of people's minds. So you've got a lot more sellers. And it used to be very much a seller's market. It's kind of flipping now to more balance where buyers are wanting to buy and sellers wanting to sell. So a lot of transactions that are really happening. And so that's exciting, I think, for us to be in that space, to be able to help people and to be able to navigate kind of this weird year and their financials and does this still make sense and to work with some of the banks and work with their maybe additional requirements and you know some additional things are kind of happening right now that i know that we can talk about but man it's almost like you're a race car and you're going 100 miles an hour you hit the brakes you had a wreck and then it took a while to get the car back going but then it's back to 100 at this point right now yeah and i think for a lot of our more established sellers who maybe saw transition in the future but kind of couldn't answer that question of like well what would i do if i didn't do this this kind of gave them like a trial run of what that was and some of them liked it and some of them didn't <laughs> and i think too financially right some figured out like i'm financially set i don't need this or i can transition now when i didn't think that i could you know there are unfortunately those that want to but can't right because they aren't in a financial position to do so especially after being shut down for a few months so i think that's kind of caused some people to reassess you know and this is not a scientific uh, opinion but i also think that we've seen more buyers because as practices reopened, if you had an associate, the associate was probably the last person you brought back on because you couldn't see as many people, you had restrictions. And so I think a lot of associates also kind of were like, hey, I don't like this whole not being in control thing. And I want to own my own practice. And so it's interesting when I have a lot of sellers who will say, hey, are, are people still looking like are buyers still buying? And I kind of chuckle because yes, 100%, there's absolutely still a handful or you know a percentage of them that are hesitant and they're the more risk averse and they want to wait and see where things bounce back to. And they're, you know, they're going to wait a little bit, but there's absolutely a group of buyers who said, uh, I'm going to be in control. I'm going to jump in. And they saw this as an opportunity for some of those people who are selling. So I think that, yes, there are buyers. Yes, we are super busy helping buyers own businesses. And I think that that fifth reason for ownership that we always talk about really came into play in this. Yeah, the young lady I actually just spoke to right before this call, a female periodontist was in the practice for five years and uh, was kind of pushing the ownership, pushing the ownership for whatever reason, just wasn't able to push that senior doctor to make that decision middle of 2020. It's either you're going to make me a partner or I'm out. And that's what started the process. And so I think a lot of people, I agree with you, people that got a little comfortable in their ways. And then when push came to shove and they realized that they're at risk, that their check doesn't always just keep coming in, that put a new fire underneath them. So yeah, I'm beyond excited that a lot of these young people and young doesn't have to be 28. Young could be 40, which this, this young lady was. And the person before that, I spoke to this buying a practice in Hawaii is 40, you know, for the first time. So 
Young, I would say, is is defined as how many years of ownership are you? That's zero. That's to me is young. So I want to also touch on timing of like how long these sales are taking now. I mean, I think pre-COVID, we could turn something around. You would promise something turned around and, you know, 30 to 45 days. And that was totally doable, right? As long as, you know, everyone was on the same page, buyer, seller, et cetera. Like we could do that in 30 to 45 days. Now, we can do something, but that's not going to happen in 30 to 45 days because the lending and just the diligence time that it's taking for lending is taking so much longer. I mean, one of our lending resources right now told us that they're three weeks from getting everything in to getting approvals, right? Three weeks. We could have done a whole transition in three weeks prior to COVID, but just the level and granular level of detail and the questions they're asking, underwriting is looking at things very closely as they should, but it's just a different different level post-COVID. So it's definitely taking longer to get deals done kind of in this environment. Are you saying I get a little excited on some of these people that are trying to buy a practice and I, I think this is a no-brainer deal and I say, yes, we can close at 45 days. And then yes, I tell you and, and you get a little frustrated with me. Are you saying all that, Christy? No, I... Oh, okay, okay, okay. I agree that it is taking longer and almost you have to you you have to strategize to how to shorten that gap. Because when you think about what you said, that it takes lending a solid three weeks in their approval process. So for that process to start, I mean, you need to have your legal documents, your acquisition purchase agreements are written, they're signed. The notice period that you gave and get, you know, those are all things that will go into the timing of just getting in front of the lender and the risk department. So you still got three weeks there. So a lot of times we want the lending approval and they're telling us five or seven days. Then all of a sudden we get the legal documents done and start that process and start to pay those attorneys to get all that done. And then we know that lending is going to take a few days. But now if lending is taking you know, let's say three weeks is what they're saying. So maybe it's four weeks. Then we have to take some extra steps to say, well, if we are trying to close in 60 days, we might have to invest in the legal documents. We have to invest in this, this, and this so that we're just waiting on lending for closing. So it's definitely not the the quick turnaround that we saw pre-COVID. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I'm hoping this will lessen too, but there's even delays in things like um, licensing, right? Like we have buyers who are moving to different states and don't maybe don't have the correct license, so they're having to apply, but because of COVID, things are shut down and there's a skeleton staff or like they can't process things as timely. So there's just seems to be kind of more funnels and more kind of stops than there were pre. So I think just kind of from a post COVID thinking about transitioning, thinking about selling, you know, one, there's going to be a patience level that you're going to have to have, but two, kind of like you said, just that pre-thought, pre-planning, pre-let's, okay, let's assume this is when we want to go and let's work backwards. You know, that's ideal. I think anyone who just says, okay, let's just see when it happens. Like that's just never a good idea. Pre, post COVID, whenever it might be like, let's give ourselves some deadlines and just be realistic and kind of understand that that's what's happening. And so lending, let's talk about that because that has definitely been a roller coaster since this all began. So when we recorded in April of 2020, nothing was changing. They were still processing loans. If you had a close date, they would still close if you wanted. Nothing kind of had changed. And then that kind of stopped, right? Yeah. And we had one of the major lenders in the country that basically said, we're not doing deals right now. So that really shook up the industry. And then you had the extreme at the end of the year that basically the big company said, we're going to do this, you know, sub three number. So we saw we saw loans that were closing under three percent and to be now they were on the aggressive front. We saw uh, acquisitions in some of the major banks that they sold to another bank. So there's been a lot of change just this year. 
they are requiring a little bit more, but overall it's the basics, right? Nothing for my sellers and for my buyers that are listening. It's a basic thing. I mean, the basics of you getting a loan is the fundamentals of if it's a million dollar practice that you're purchasing, the price of it's 800. Price has pretty much stayed consistent unless it's a specialty, something unique about it. 800 grand, you're going to need to have about 6% cash called 50,000 liquidity. Liquidity has not changed. You still need money. Your credit score is still super important. You still need to be able to do the work and the financial part of the practice you're purchasing is still critical. If it's a million dollar practice that makes 300 grand, million dollar practice to make a half a million. Okay. Cash is awesome. You got liquidity. Cash in the practice is awesome. And it's got great overhead and great cash flows. You got good credit score. It's all going to work out. We're going to figure this out and we're going to get you there. And that's what's going to make this deal happen. But there was definitely a roller coaster, just like the car race. You know, I talked about the car came to a stop for a lot of lenders, started to require more. But we are seeing getting back into, I guess, if I'm going to go old school, a fourth gear. You know, I'm so old, Christy, that my standard transmission had a fourth gear. Okay. So on the 280Z, you know, that's in fourth gear. So I think we're probably still in a third gear. I guess I go real old school. The dad's truck was three speed. But man, I'm getting really old. But the point is, I don't think that we're still all in at this point, but we're getting there. I, I do see, I can easily see the next, you know, just even the three to four weeks, this early part of the late spring and early summer, I can really see these these lenders being very aggressive and turning everything back on and kind of limiting their requirements and how quickly can we close. Yeah. And I think for at least the next 12 months, that's my estimate, they're going to need to see more than they needed to see pre-COVID from a diligence standpoint. And that goes for our team too, right? Our requests that we're requesting when we look at deals or kind of analyze practices for sale are based on what lenders are asking for, right? And the goal is to understand, has the practice this come back, right? We all kind of assume that all practices were down in 2020. If you were super lucky, you were stable. And if you were amazingly lucky, you were up. But most practices were assuming that they're down. So in order to understand if you're coming back, right, we have to break your numbers down on a monthly basis. And we have to compare what you did per month or per quarter, generally per month, to what you did in 19, right? We also want to look at what you were doing pre-COVID. So January, February, sometimes March. So we're still requesting monthly production collections reports. That's what a lender is requesting too. Gotten a lot of pushback from sellers who are frustrated because that's clearly a lot of reports and a lot of months to look at. The only purpose of asking is not to annoy you. The purpose is to prove out that your practice has been rebounding, even though your practice was down, right? We're trying to give you credit for, and a buyer's trying to give you credit for what you did October, probably October is a bad example, November, December, January, February, versus kind of what you did in those months where you were shut down. We also know there were, there's a down month in October, November because of hygiene, right? Like that's six months from the date, right? So we just need to see that. And we want to see January in February of 2021 too, because we want to also be able to say, see, we are on that curve or see, we are stable. So I know it's really tedious and I know it's a lot, but it's all for the benefit of proving out what you hopefully know about your practice, which is, you know, it's rebounding. And then for buyers, right, it also gives them kind of that comfort that if we're valuing something in 19 or pricing something based on 19 numbers, that it truly is kind of headed back in that direction. Yeah. So depending on what state this is, and and two, it's interesting is you have to look at each state. So if I'm looking at practice and let's say it's a Texas practice and it's a million dollar practice, it was averaging $83,000 a month. 
And in Texas, we were shut down approximately eight weeks. So it's 15% of the time that our practices were shut down. So if I see a practice and it was went from a million dollars in 19 to let's say 900,000, that's amazing. To me, I, I get excited about that. I think the thing is growing. 850 is kind of my break even. That, that makes a lot of sense. And then, you know, an 800 number, I've got questions. Well, maybe there was something unique about they, they chose to open at the 10-week, the 11-week. But now I can see when they did open consistency on those months. And so that's what we want to do and use that from a, a projection standpoint. And so I've actually seen practices that grew. I've seen orthodontic practices that the collections remain stable. I mean, look at their production and the production was down. So in ortho, I'm mainly just looking at production, not necessarily looking at the collections. Collections, if you don't have production for two months, that's okay. Your collections are still going to ride in. But now once we open back up on our ortho space, I want to see that we're still getting 20 starts a month or 25 or whatever. So there's lots of different things that we're going to be looking at. And it's not just us. This same, we always just think of us as like a bank. We already know what the bank's going to ask for. But for buyers, you know, listening, we're just looking for consistency or that the thing's going up. Remember, our job is to see the business, to ask enough questions and to see the stock is actually going up and you're buying up. We No different than having inside information on today, having information on Tesla that was going to go up 20% today. Okay. 20. Can you imagine? You just knew that ahead of time. It's inside information. It's the same thing. You're buying a dental practice. You have the inside information you can see they're not marketing. You can see they have inside information that they're referring to all these procedures. See that this guy is, guy is all fee for service and you know three days a week. See that this is the inside information. You know the stock is going to go, so you're investing in that. So the numbers kind of tell us these stories and get us excited about it. And also the numbers will tell us sometimes that, hey, seller, you're not reasonable. Hey, buyer, uh, this is not a practice that's reasonable to purchase. So monthly numbers are still not going to change for, I agree, we probably have, you know, a good all of 21 that we really need to completely have shake out. So it's probably not going to be until 22 that we can just kind of rule out what happened in 20. Absolutely. I mean, 20 is going to be around for, I mean, at least the next four or five years, it's going to show up when someone is kind of, or at least the three or four years when someone's kind of diligencing an opportunity. So I want to say it one more time for the people in the back or for the people who are ordering their Chick-fil-A and didn't hear you in the last five minutes. Overall, has COVID caused a decrease in the valuation or the pricing of dental practices? No, I mean, because it goes goes right back to the consistency. So has COVID, if it was a $1 million practice and the COVID owner and the owner had COVID and the owner passed away in April and the practice didn't sell, it's impacted that practice because the financials went to zero. So, so of course, so if there was a, a, a COVID environment and it was a million dollar practice and it shut down for two months or three months, like, you know, happened on the West Coast. And in New York, when the practice dropped 25%, but the state mandated that we couldn't see patients for 25% of the time, then no, it does not impact, in my opinion, the value. It impacts, quote unquote, the risk. But as long as I can answer to what that risk and the influencer that got that business down, then I feel comfortable as the advisor to tell you to sell or to tell you to buy. If I get... If I'm working for the seller and the buyer's like, I, you know, trying to beat me up on price, I tell that buyer just to go down the street because my business is still what it is. 
And so that's the message that we're trying to make sure that we're we're communicating, regardless if it's a bank or Facebook, or, you know, the seller or the buyer that's trying to, to tell you one way or another. Your business is your business. And as long as we see consistency and we can justify these little one off, I was shut down for eight or nine weeks, then it's still stable, in my opinion, still stable, no, in your opinion, and it's going to hold its value. Yep. I just get that question at least a few times a week still of buyers who are looking at businesses and just say, hey, yeah, but it should be priced lower because of COVID, right? And so then that that conversation happens. So what were you talking about with Chick-fil-A? What is that? Uh, like you're just two people in Chick-fil-A? What are you talking about? You know, people listen to us on, on their lunch break and they listen to us when they're like in the drive-thru. And so I just thought, okay. you know. Oh my God. I was like, where is she going with Chick-fil-A? You've never, you've never been like on a phone and you have to like mute it because you have to order the Chick-fil-A. Yes. Yes. I don't know yes. what you just said. And like now there's a problem. <laughs> Okay. Well, this has been an interesting year. It's been kind of a roller coaster. Any kind of ending thoughts for the listeners as we sit here post COVID, as you kind of just think about our world and transitions and, you know, our ongoing kind of passion for them to own or transition and kind of do it in the right way? Yeah. I mean, uh, sellers, I would just say is enter this this year in, in 21 with confidence that things are going to be fine. Remember, transition your practice because your financial plan says you can transition your practice because your practice says that you can if you're going to bring somebody in as a partner. Don't let this one influencer make the decision that you're going to do something and kind of, quote unquote, force, you know, force you out. And as a buyer, I think if anything, it should just light a fire underneath you and create this opportunity that that's there. Let's just let's, let's go be an owner. Let's take advantage of this. If it is an advantage and somebody wants to sell you a practice for, for less or, you know, there's some patient charts down the street that you can buy because somebody for a reason is struggling. We need to be, I think you use the word positivity. We just need to be positive. This is where we're at today. There's never been a better time. You think about all the freaking things this government gives us. I mean, the owner got all these massive PPP benefits, PP1, PP2, HHS, employee retention credits. Just they have more profitable. And this is tax-free money. So if you had a million-dollar business associate, pay attention. You received from the federal government in 2019 roughly $85,000 in PPP money, free, not taxable, free money. You just got a check. And guess what you did in 2020? You got another in 21. Guess what you did in, in 20? You got another 80 something thousand dollars. And you got HHS stimulus that gave you about another 22,000. Depending on your level of drop, if you're in someplace like Washington or Seattle where you had like this drop in a quarter that could substantiate this employee retention credit, you might get another $30,000 of credit. So, you know who got all that? The owners. You know, if you're an employee right now, you got maybe a $1,200 stimulus check. You might've got some unemployment. You got nothing near what the owner got. So just put this fire in your belly and go do it. Go find us a practice that we can advise you on and let's do it. And there's probably going to be another quote unquote COVID that happens in our lifetime. There's going to be something that's going to stop business. But again, if that's the case, who, who won in that game, the owner or the associate. I make that argument every day. You cannot make the argument that the associate wins in these games ever. So that's the, let's just go do this message. I like it. No, and I can't tell you how many sellers I've talked to and the established owner, you know, the gray hairs who say, yeah, this sucked. Like this was different, right? This was a thing, but I also have lived through three other things, right? And they 
impacted the world differently or me personally, but I've lived through those and I survived that. And it's another kind of thing, another, you know, kind of event that we kind of can talk about down the road and, and we'll all push past this, but know that we are here and private practice dentistry is here and ownership is here. And we're here as a resource for you guys and are appreciative of all your listens during your downtime this last year. And we hope we can work with you soon in your transition. You know, Chrissy, I'm going to commit when we're, uh, you know, we're getting a new office soon and we are going to build us a a podcast studio. It's going to be awesome. Oh my gosh. Like real podcasters, you know, not like these little 1000 play kind of podcasters. I mean, legit, like in a little private studio room. And I think we should have, you know, a professional welcomer, you know, and introducing Christy. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so we're, we're taking this to the next level, girl. 2021. Moving out of the master closet. I know. That's what I'm thinking. I'm seeing you're here you're in this closet. We got to get you out of the closet, girl. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for listening. As always, like us on Facebook, wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave us a review. Thanks for listening. Till next time, friends. See you guys. <laughs>